So this morning, kids, I want to see your notes afterwards, adults too. Three points on the saints, which it's really one point with three subpoints. So I'll give you the big idea, and you can write the three points underneath. Here it is. Saints are ministers. The saints are ministers. They minister to God in worship, and they minister to us by their example and their intercession. But before we go any further this morning, we need to answer the question, what is a saint? What does it denote or what can it denote? The word saint means holy one. The word saint means holy one. And it is in scripture used to refer to all Christians most of the time. To all the baptized, as in Ephesians 1, which you just heard. For this reason, Paul writes, because I have heard in your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. Here, St. Paul, at least primarily, is referring to their love for all their brothers and sisters in Christ on earth. Our identity as Christians, then, is that of holy ones. Our vocation, our calling, is to be a saint. We have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. We have been cleansed in baptism. We are called to lead a holy life. To become in our practice, in the way that we live, what we are in position and standing before God. So saints can refer to all Christians. The angels are also called saints. In Deuteronomy 33.2, it says, The Lord came from Sinai and dawned from Sarah upon us. He shone forth from Mount Paran. He came from the ten thousands of holy ones or saints. It's referring to the angels. So as one scholar summarizes, I, I think succinctly, uh, the communion of saints embraces the whole family of God. The glorified saints, the holy angels, the faithful departed, and the faithful still on earth. That's us. But it is the glorified saints that are in view today on this feast, all saints. When we speak of all saints, we speak of those of heroic sanctity and virtue. Those who ran their race towards the Lord Jesus exceedingly well. Those who, to use the language of St. James, became perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. It is what's known as the church triumphant that we commemorate today. The souls of just men and women made perfect. Those who in this life became partakers of the divine nature. Those, put it simple, those with ST in front of their name. 
But one thing that All Saints recognizes, because the big name saints have, the ones we know about, have their own feast days. Uh, Some of them get several, like the Mother of Our Lord. So the church is recognizing that there are saints who were anonymous on earth while living, but famous in heaven. Those to whom God, who we do not yet know their names, to whom God said upon the end of their life, very well done, thou good and faithful servant. Those who, what, what is a saint? Summary of the law. It's one who loved the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, with everything that they are. The saints are people who are full of the love of God. So the saints are ministers. And the first part of their, uh, the first sub-point is that saints are worshipers. In Holy Scripture, as uh, in Revelation, for example, when we get a glimpse of the company of heaven, what are they doing? They're worshiping Almighty God. And in the worship of the church, uh, supremely in the Holy Eucharist, even us who are gathered here in this parish hall, even when we are gathered at the school, the glorified saints... And the works in progress, that's me and you, join together in worship of Almighty God. We ascend into heaven and the saints, as it were, descend to earth. That is, heaven and earth come together. The veil in the worship of the church, in the Holy Eucharist especially, The veil between the twin halves of God's one good creation, the veil between heaven and earth, becomes translucent. There is one body of Christ comprised of the living and the dead. The body of Christ is not torn asunder by death. Why? Because again, Jesus Christ conquered death. In Ephesians 1, just before today's reading, Paul says that Christ unites all things, things in heaven and things on earth. The saints minister to God in worship, and they minister to us by their witness. Number two, the saints are exemplars. They are shining examples Literally, literally shining examples of what it means to follow Christ. And getting to know the saints, getting to know the cloud of witnesses, reading about their lives, cultivating communion with them in and through the Christian year, inspires us and spurs us on to greater faithfulness to Jesus. That's key for us to understand. In the biography of one of the greatest desert fathers, Antony of Egypt, a biography that was written by St. Athanasius of Alexandria. 
called Life of Antony. He writes this in the introduction. I feel that once you have heard the story, you will not merely admire the man, but will wish to emulate his commitment as well. Not just admire him. Oh, that's cool. But wish to emulate his commitment as well. His commitment to whom? The Lord. Commitment to the Lord. Get this, especially you all from Baptist backgrounds like me. Devotion to the saints does not supplant our devotion to the Lord. It fuels it. What does Paul say to the Corinthians? Follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. That's one of the functions of the saints within the economy of salvation. Their lives are clarion calls. Their very lives are sermons. Their lives are sounding the alarm so that we wake up from our spiritual slumber. It's not about me. I don't want you to get to know the saints because I'm really interested in old antiquarian stuff. Or so that you can become more erudite. Get to know the saints. Because as you get to know them, they will not let you settle for a mediocre, ho-hum Christian life. They will not let you fall into the delusion of moral therapeutic deism. I'm going to be a good person. God's going to make me feel better. And God's a long way off and he's not really active in our lives or in the church or in the world like he was 2,000 years ago. On all saints, I want the saints to pray for us. You know, God save us from being a nice church. From being merely moral, kind, happy people. We're called to more than that. Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but the power of Christ who lives within me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Saints, wake us up from the spiritual slumber into which it's so easy for us to fall in our age of endless distraction. Do you remember, can you remember, the first time you experienced God? That you felt the touch of God in your heart. Do you remember a time in your life 
where you were on fire. Where God, some of you have known a long time, that God set the course of your life towards knowing Him and wanting to know Him above all else. Where's that fire? Are we stoking the flame within us, the fire of the Spirit within us? And as all my sermon, I'm preaching this to myself. I think about the fervor, the commitment I had as, as a young man. And again, it's just easy. It's easy for this even just to become a job, become something that I do. And to settle and to compromise for just being a good, efficient Christian. I prayed some dangerous prayers in my life. I remember I was 20 years old. I was home for the summer in Virginia Beach. And the church gave me this job of, uh, it was a huge building, <laughs> of stripping and waxing all the linoleum floors in the entire church. So it took me all summer. And I remember doing that. I remember what classroom I was in. And just this desire to grow. And maybe this was a stupid thing to pray. And I said, God, if you, you know all things. You hold my future. And if you look and you see me 20 years from now, 30 years from now, and I'm not following you. I'm not loving you with all of my heart. Just take me home now. The saints, they took this thing serious. They were aflame with the love of God. They're not a bunch of curmudgeons. They're not a bunch of people that are going to make you feel bad. They were so much more focused on their own faults than anybody else's. Of their need for a savior. For their need to be healed and become whole. To become the human beings that God called them to be. Maybe it's time for us all to pray some dangerous prayers. Speaking of prayer, number three, this is it. The saints are intercessors. We don't even need, they're there and they're very important. We don't even need Bible verses to come to this conclusion. We just need to think about the gospel and what Christ accomplished. And we would know that this is the case. That the dead in Christ are active in the life of the church. Put crudely, the, the, the dead are doing stuff. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Therefore, the dead in Christ, and this is great hope, the dead in Christ are not dead in that they have ceased to exist. They're dead in that their souls have been separated for a time 
from their bodies. And in this intermediate state, they are waiting for the resurrection at the end of the age, when this corruptible shall put on incorruptible. The dead in Christ are active in the life of the church, and the heart of their activity is prayer. And this is especially true of the saints, the souls of just men and women made perfect. The church triumphant in heaven is before the throne of God in worship and in intercession for the church militant, that is the church on earth. The saints pray and they pray for us. And yes, I get it. There have been times where parts of Christendom have gone really kooky with the saints. Okay? But the communion of saints, we confess that we believe in it, do we not? It's part and parcel of the deposit of faith. And it is implicit in Holy Scripture, and it's explicit in the teaching of the ancient church. It's a couple of examples. In Revelation chapter 6, verse 9, the martyrs, who are by definition not alive bodily, right? They're praying to God for justice. Scripture says they cried out. It says the altar, under the altar, the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God. So they're not embodied. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And then in Revelation 8, the angels who are part of the communion of saints, they have a ministry of intercession as well. It says in verse 3, that another angel having a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And then from the early church, I'll just give you a couple. This is St. Jerome who lived in the 4th and 5th centuries. He wrote this on the intercession of the saints in rebuke of the heretic, listen to this guy's name, Vigilantius. Kind of an awesome name. I guess he was going vigilante on the faith, so he had to, he had to get uh, knocked into place. Jerome writes this. He says, you say in your book that while we are alive, we can pray for each other, but that when we are dead, the prayer of none of us will be heard on behalf of another. It says, if the apostles and martyrs, while still in the flesh, are able to pray for others when they still have reason to be anxious for their own safety, how much more can they not pray after their crowns, their victories, and their triumphs? The bottom line is this, as we move to close. The prayer of a righteous man or righteous woman is powerful. And effective. And so we should covet the prayers of our brothers and sisters in heaven. You know, we're watching college football yesterday a little bit. We are very comfortable with the honoring, with the veneration of the living. When it, when it comes to earthly matters. I mean, we have no problem honoring, cheering for, giving praise to 
I'm not saying it's bad necessarily. I, mean, I, I think it's natural when, when we see something exceptional in any sphere of life to say that's great. That's good. That's hitting some sort of ideal. We have no problem honoring, you know, athletes, musicians, entrepreneurs, thinkers, whatever. But what of those who are skilled, who are excellent in the things of God? Psalm 15.4 says this of the one who dwells in the presence of the Lord. It's asking the rhetorical question, who, who can dwell in the tabernacle? Who can dwell in God's holy place? And the psalmist writes, He that maketh much of them that fear the Lord. That's what it means to honor the saints, to venerate the saints. It's making much of them, not for their own sake, but for the Lord's. Matthew 5.16 let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and say, wow, Eric's really holy, isn't he great? No, see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's it. That's a big part of it. We're seeing their good deeds. We're seeing the way that they live. And it lights us on fire. And we give glory to God in heaven. So let us today, brothers and sisters, honor and celebrate the saints, known and unknown, rejoicing in their fellowship and in their ministry, which ignites our hearts and lifts up our eyes so that we can fix them on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen.